anyone who's ever owned real estate knows that you're going to have problems with that real estate in some way or another. And I find that the best way to solve those problems is to do some preparation work in advance to. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me as always, we've got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Todd? Well, I'm doing pretty good. And if my audio sounds different, or those of you who are watching my videos, of course, sounds different. I'm actually sitting inside my truck. I just left one of my rental properties that I've owned for, uh, what is it now, 12 years. And uh, when I purchased it, did very, very light renovation to it, uh, more like just turned the, the units and rented it out and I've rented it out ever since. And I decided, I don't know why, but I decided to get a, a bug up my butt and actually do a real full remodel. It should raise my rents um, a decent amount, but I think overall, really what I was looking for is this. I just wanted to get the property in condition that I actually wanted property being wanted to fix some of the things that were kind of always maintenance issues and wanted to make sure I can always attract the, the residents that I want to attract. And this is a property that I consider a legacy property. This is likely a property I'm going to hold for a long time, eventually um, sell or give, make probably won't give because that's not what I believe, but I'll probably sell for a good price, finance it, you know, for my kids uh, one day. So property, I just wanted to make sure it was in good condition here. And, and it's been a cash cow for those that entire time. And so let's do it, right? Let's get some, let's get some work done. So anyways, I was over there just now and just walking through the, the project with the contractor and uh, making some some necessary decisions. Cool. And everything's going well for that. Uh, it's uh, coming under budget and, and beyond expectations. Uh, no, no. Every time we open something up, there's like 10 more hidden skeletons in the closet. So the, we've got structural issues that we've uncovered. So we have to fix those. We, we have, um, there's just a lot of hidden stuff in the walls. You know, this is this is a early 1900s built building. So there's electrical hidden in the walls. There's plumbing done not properly hidden. There's joists that have been cut out that shouldn't have been cut out. Which you know, look, I mean, ultimately when I talk about this being a legacy property, this stuff should be done, right? I don't want to sell a property to my kids and then have them have to deal with the headache when eventually stuff starts happening or catches on fire or whatever it is. So we should be able to eliminate a lot of the problems that were hidden behind the walls. It It's a bummer because yeah, it's going to cost us a lot more money. Um, but I'm optimistic. I'm happy about it because like I said, it's, it's just the type of property it was. Now, if this was a property I was going to sell, and I started doing this, I'd be, I, I would be bummed because it's like, oh man, I just should have left, left it alone and gotten, you know, and sold it. But this is a property we don't plan on selling. So this kind of reminds me of that movie, The Money Pit, uh, starring Tom Hanks, where oh, he, he yeah. buys that it's house and it's just uh, <laughs> everything's falling apart. 
this is the money pit. Yep, that's <laughs> that's for sure. And you know, quite frankly, that, that's kind of what you get when you buy these old houses that are are nineteen hundreds built, early nineteen hundreds built. You get skeletons in the closet. They didn't build it. People, a lot of people th- say, oh, they they used to build it. You know, great back then, and I wish they built. Ah, they built it terrible back then. <laughs> they didn't have the permits. They didn't have the regulations. They didn't have the processes in place. The, the, the you know, the inspections, all that kind of stuff. So it's just not built as well, and that's what you get. And old materials too. I mean, right? The, the plumbing's old. The electrical's old. Like a lot of old materials in there. Now, this plays into uh, today's topic, which is about uh, how real estate investing is not always, you know, uh, rainbows and and unicorns and stuff. <laughs> I wish it was. And a lot of, you know, every podcast, here's, here's the deal. I don't like dwelling on the negative, but I think we have to talk about some of the things that go wrong so we can understand, uh, first of all, how to avoid those mistakes and then how do we correct those errors as well. And so a lot of podcasts, actually pretty much every podcast doesn't even talk about this. So I wanted to actually talk about some of the stuff that goes wrong in real estate and then, okay, how do you as an investor actually avoid potentially not having those things go wrong with you? And there's going to be plenty of stuff. It doesn't matter what you do. There's going to be plenty of stuff that's going to go wrong. And we're probably only going to get to like the tip of the iceberg, by the way, Matt, we could probably do (laughs) this as a series for like the next uh, six months and we could, we'd still be just the tip of the iceberg. I could bring in guests after guest after guest. We could talk about some of the issues that have happened in real estate. Maybe that's an exciting thing to do. Um, but the most important thing is you've got to, first of all, you have to understand it's a business and through any business, you're going to have trials through any business. You're going to have things that go wrong. And it's about how you act when those things don't go right. It's about how you pivot. It's about your personality and and how you decide to handle the situation. Are you going to get down? Are you going to get depressed? Are you going to, you know, crawl into that hole and, and, uh, you know, or are you going to face it head on? And are you going to then get creative with problem solving? Are you going to figure out how to actually turn whatever happened, turn that into a positive, right? Turn turn that into a learning experience somehow either make money out of it or make it a life lesson right and and so you've got to you've got to look at it in my opinion if you want to be successful you have to look at all these trials that you're going to have you have to look at as them as learning experiences and you have to figure out okay how can i how can i avoid that mistake the next time how can i learn from this so that others can avoid it how can i learn from this so that I don't make other mistakes that were potentially coming down the pipeline. Like what did I do this time? That's a learning experience. Okay. What could happen the next time? It's similar, maybe different, but slightly similar. Like what can I do to fix it? And that's, that's the attitude that you have to have if you want to be successful. Yep. And for newer investors, uh, you know, the more that you can learn from other people's mistakes, the fewer of those rookie mistakes you have to make yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So Matt, what's one, what's one thing that, uh, that you want to mention that's, you know, maybe a mistake that you've made or, you know, what's not all roses in real estate that I think that that a lot of people think it is, or, or something that you want to hit on anything. Yeah, I suppose like 
you know, proper screening of tenants, uh, you know, if our tenants are our customers, you know, you want to treat them with respect and, and uh, yeah. hopefully they do the same, but uh, occasionally some bad apples get through the screening process. And then uh, you're having to deal with uh, these, I guess, so-called professional tenants uh, after the fact when you're already kind of stuck with them. Yeah. I had a tenant that um, we moved into a house. We just remodeled it. Bought it out of foreclosure, remodeled it, moved this tenant in, said he had a great job, everything checked out. So he moved him in, he paid the security deposit, paid the first, well, how was it? Oh, no, you know what? That's right. He paid the security deposit, but not the first month's rent. He said, I can't remember, there was some reason, but he was going to have the first month's rent. Big mistake on my part. I allowed him to move in anyway. Oh, no. He moved in, never paid that rent. Month two comes by, didn't pay that rent, ended up evicting him. Had to get the sheriff and everything to remove the guy. He wasn't planning on moving. The sheriff showed up and he's like, why are you here? You know, it just, is it, you know, mistake number one probably didn't cross-reference like I should have. Back then, I... I didn't we didn't cross-reference now we do a lot more cross-referencing now we make sure that the landlord is actually the landlord that we're calling to get rental referrals you know that type of stuff we didn't do that back then the other thing of course is i didn't accept his security deposit and his first month's rent i just took a security deposit he didn't then pay his first month's rent didn't pay his second month's rent so he lived in my place for essentially because it takes minnesota takes about 30 days not quite to get somebody out so by the time i actually got him out he lived there for two full months and you know didn't pay rent so that that was you know and that that type of stuff happens but we got to learn from it and we got to figure out, okay how can we fix our processes now so we don't rent to that type of person again if you're exploring the different ways to invest in real estate then you've got to check out my new book called book about real estate it summarizes reviews and condenses over 20 top real estate books to help give you an understanding of the full spectrum of real estate investing very quickly so buy it today on amazon by searching for book about real estate by matt jones anything any what else what else you got i, I got so many uh, <laughs> you know my, my face could turn blue but but anything you anything else you can think of yeah, I mean, we talked about this uh, last week of like trying to do too many things yourself, you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, trying to repair things myself that were maybe just a little bit beyond my ability and then having to hire somebody to fix the thing and correct my mistakes uh, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things kind of in that line, I, I think of mistake that I made, and this isn't huge and and but it's in my opinion it's not the right necessarily way to do things when when the economy was bad i would negotiate with these contractors i mean rock bottom rock bottom rock bottom and, and we would beat them up so much and they were desperate to get the work and and i now not that i want to pay top dollar prices but now i'll negotiate and i'll, I'll knock down prices but i also it's important to me to build positive relationships, right? Before I didn't really understand the value of the relationship. I was just looking at my bottom line and wasn't thinking about the relationship that we were building, cultivating. Were these, were these contractors grateful that they got the work? Yeah, because they needed the work. But at the same time, it wasn't a long-term sustainable relationship because the second they could find 
enough work that was higher paid, they didn't want to stick around because we didn't, it, it wasn't valuing the relationship both ways. And so that's really important. We got to make sure we're valuing the relationship both ways. Now, again, I want to get great pricing. I want to get discount pricing because I'm going to be doing a lot of work and we're, we're low hassle. But at the same time, I want to make sure I'm treating you right, making sure that you're getting paid properly to do the work that you're doing. So it's, it's a give and take there. And that's really important. It's something I, I, I've really learned. And there was never any horror experiences, you know, with contractors and nobody really reamed me out for it or anything like that. But it was just, you know, looking back at how that was done, it wasn't as much of a, a, a relationship where both of us were, were winning in the end. Uh, as much as we probably should have been. So definitely something I learned. Relationships are just so important in this business and we got to make sure we mine those relationships. Yep. Here's actually another mistake I made. Uh, there, I was buying a place and one of the showers in one of the units, uh, it was you know brand new uh, and renovated. My uh, inspector did a thorough job but wasn't able to find any issues per se, I guess, you know, without tearing into any walls. And the seller had said like, oh yeah, we previously had some issue with it uh, freezing uh, during the winter time, but that's all been corrected since of the renovation. And I trusted them. And then first winter comes, that shower is constantly freezing. And so I had to rip all that out and, and, and find that uh, the pipes in this new shower were put on the outside wall, which is a, a bad idea in Minnesota. And uh, so, which is why I kept on freezing. So I had to like get a whole new uh, bathroom uh, right after it was just renovated by the previous owner. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Stuff like that happens. And, and, you know, people, whether they did it on purpose or just, they didn't know any better. Um, sometimes inspections can't, can't catch everything. Uh, and maybe there's nothing you can do about them sometimes, but just that proper due diligence is so important that we really dig in. And we really try to spend a lot of time making sure we're not missing things. I would rather spend an extra, you know, $1,000 or, or 10 hours of my time and miss some of those big mistakes, miss some of those big hidden items, you know, that you don't otherwise see. I never used to do sewer scopes on properties. And I've had problems with sewers before. Close on the property and it might not even poke its head out right away, but eventually you start finding that you got all kinds of sewer issues and uh, that can be, that can be a $10,000 plus repair to re to replace that sewer line. Then, you know, in an apartment building, it can be six figures to replace sewer lines. So really important to understand the whole building and make sure you don't leave any stone unturned, right? You really want to look at everything. Um, that, that's, that is, you know, I'm, I've made that mistake too many times probably, and hopefully I've learned from it and not, not terribly long ago, one of my apartment buildings, um, this kind of goes to with, this kind of goes with leaving things unturned, but more who's actually unturning those, turning over those stones. Uh, we hired our property management company who is currently managing the property to do an inspection on the roof. And uh, they looked at the roofs and gave us a report, said the roofs were 
in good condition. They had five to 10 years left on them. You didn't have to do anything. We budgeted for the roofs, uh, but we didn't plan on doing them right away. We actually were hopeful that we didn't have to do them while we were holding the property or maybe right before we sold them. Uh, we'd have to do maybe a couple, but ended up uh, closing on that property through discovery. Actually, because of the due diligence, we, we ended up firing that property management company. We didn't hire them, actually. We, we got rid of them before we even closed. Uh, because they committed fraud throughout the due diligence process. <laughs> Should have been a red flag, obviously, to relook at everything they looked at. Uh, closed on the property, and within a day, we had pretty good rain, and three of the roofs were leaking into the tenant's units. Tenants said, well, they've been leaking for over a year, and they keep on patching them, and then they drywall, and then they leak, and then they do the same thing, and they kept on happening. And so they had drywall and luckily it had been had been dry when we walked through the due diligence had been dry long enough where everything looked like it just had been passed and that's it. So, so they hid that on us. And again, it's, it's, it's not paying attention to proper due diligence and not hiring a disinterested party. We are hiring an interested party. They're the, they're the current property management company that we're going to have take over as property management we're going to continue to use. Well, that's not a disinterested party. They want to make sure that sale goes through and they want to still be hired for the job. Right. And so they're trying to do everything they can to keep the job. And unfortunately they, they were a very dishonest company. Yeah. I mean, there, there, people are people, you know, most people aren't going to be that dishonest, but uh, there are certainly oh. those people out there. Yeah, we have to trust people. Right. But we also have to verify. And so what would have been better? Well, I should have hired a, a, a contractor third-party mm -hmm. contractor that's a that's a roofer go up there and check out the roof do core samples that's all they needed to do they could have said well look this roof is leaking like you know these have to be replaced right now great then we could have truly planned for it now again the good thing is we we'd kind of budgeted for it but um it, it caused us a lot of problems because we hadn't we didn't know the extent of what was going on there and we had a lot of damage that happened between being able to get the roofer out and actually um, be, between that time. So we had you know, a lot of rain that caused a lot of damage. It caused a lot of tenant issues. We had to move tenants around. We had to give them credits and it was kind of a pain. Uh, in the end, it didn't cost me a ton of money, but it was still a good learning experience. Something that could have cost me a ton of money had we not properly budgeted for the roofs. So yeah. And I'm really thankful that uh, in all of my properties, I've had enough reserve account money that, uh, to be able to cover any uh, big issues that came up. Because I, I can't imagine if I just didn't have that money set aside, uh, if these problems would have happened, then like, well, <laughs> I guess I well, either have to take out a new loan or, or ignore the problem. Reserves are big and people don't understand how important they are. I was just on a conversation today with the gentleman and we were talking bridge loans and uh, we were talking to different bridge lenders. And I said, well, don't use this particular bridge lender, which if anybody wants to know, just private message me. Um, I'm not going to say it all publicly, but this bridge lender in particular is just horrible. They're, 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 they're unethical and they just, they just do poor business. Uh, it, it takes me, I submitted 
the application to get my draw in early October, and it takes me till February to get my draw money. Hmm. It takes that long with this bridge lending. Typically, it's it's a few weeks with most bridge lenders. This one, it's it's you know months, m- many months. And uh, he said, well, how, how are you continuing to do your projects and actually float that? And I said, well, th- that's why I have large reserve accounts. So I can, I can float something like that. Not that I want to, but we're able to. We're able to continue to do the work because we've set ourselves up for success in the start. We want to make sure that we've got ample reserves because what happens if we didn't budget for that roof, but then it does start to leak? Again, we can't catch everything. What happens if we open up some walls and we find the skeletons in the closet, like I'm finding this duplex? Again, we can't catch everything, so we have to plan for it. And I've made that mistake in times, not planning, not budgeting enough for reserves. And he puts you in a bind. It, it, it gives you that pit in your stomach that you're like, man, I got to figure out where to move money, how to get the money back in there. And, and happily, I've been able to do it on every project. Um, but now, I just know that I don't want to put myself in that position. So I have to make sure my reserve account is, is ample. And then more than, right. We want to really be like, okay, this is so much money. It's way too much money. That's a, that's a good feeling. When we say that I can always reimburse my investors, that money. And some investors don't like it. They say, I don't want you to sit on that much cash. And I say, well, then you're not the investor for me because that's how I do business now. I don't, I don't take it the other way anymore. I've just had the experience too often where it ends up biting you in the end. Yeah. Anyone who's ever owned real estate knows that you're going to have problems with that real estate in some way or another. And I find that the best way to solve those problems is to do some preparation work in advance to, uh, so either to prevent the problem from happening in the first place or to be prepared for it so that when it does happen, you're, you've got a, a plan to correct it. Yep. Yep. So I've mentioned this before, but I'll cap our conversation off right now. Uh, and you can add anything else you want uh, by saying, I think the, I don't want to call it a mistake, right? But the biggest thing that I did that people I think can learn from is I thought small for far too long, right? And I didn't pivot to where I truly wanted to go. I stayed in my comfort zone and I stayed in my lane because I think really, honestly, just because of fear, I, I didn't want to, I, I, I did really well with flipping. I did really well buying these one to four families and I didn't want to disrupt something that was good and make mistakes and be you know caught doing it the wrong way you know or not making money or you know whatever and I had this small mindset I can't I don't know if I have enough investors I don't know if I can build relationships with brokers I don't know if I can manage the properties I don't know if I can and I don't know if I can and I don't know if I can and, you know, we all get stuck in that. So that that's, again, that's a lesson hopefully people can learn is when I finally made that transition, I don't regret a minute of that, of making that switch that I've wanted to make for a long time, going from single family to large multifamily. And it all worked out. And yeah, I've I, again, I've had tons of bumps and bruises along the way. It hasn't, it's not like it's been just, absolutely seamless 
but it's all worked out. I'm happy I did it. And if you can learn anything from me, take those risks, make sure you're not in your comfort zone at all times and make sure you're taking the risk and make sure you're pushing forward to make those changes that are going to make large impacts in your life and in other people's lives. Yeah, it's the same with me. The biggest challenges I've faced are the limitations that I've put on to myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so easy to do, but you know, we got to get out of comfort zone. We got to push. We got to persevere. And I think one of the bigger things you can do that's going to help you get beyond that is just setting yourself up, up being around the right people. You know, it's, it can it can and it can be as simple as we always talk about being around the right people. It's so great to, in today's age, we can get around the right people by just listening to podcasts, just listen to podcasts, listen to audio books, you know, go, go attend some webinars and conferences. If you start getting around people that are thinking big, that are thinking totally different from you, all of a sudden it's not as intimidating. If everybody around you is talking about buying 100, 200, 300 unit buildings, if everybody around you is talking about commercial real estate, if everybody around you is talking about doing big things, all of a sudden it's not as intimidating to be thinking like that. You know, now eventually you're gonna have to take action, right? You can't just not ever take action and just listen to podcasts and read books. But I think that's the, one of the easiest things anybody can do. And I've obviously, the listeners i'm probably preaching to the choir right you're you're listening to this podcast and likely many others for a reason and that's to help with your mindset to help learn about some of this stuff but uh you know networking face to face of course and being open to partnerships are going to be huge but the easiest quickest step that that i can think of is that right there and a lot of guests on podcasts leave their contact information. And I think yeah, very, absolutely. very few people reach out to them. Uh, so like, right. if, if you're actually taking that active step, then you're setting yourself out above the crowd. Absolutely. Yeah. Reach out to the guests. Like these guests are coming on here and they, they don't give their information for no reason. So reach out to our guests that we have, you know, get a conversation struck with them. They're these almost every single one of my guests will want wants to have a conversation, right? They they actually are very open people. They're very giving people. I can't think of more than actually one guest <laughs> that wouldn't love to have a conversation with you. So we've had I don't know close coming up to two hundred guests, and they're they they're happy to have conversations with you so reach out to them excellent all right man well that's all i got i again we could probably talk about this for forever and i've hopefully i've mentioned stuff i tried not to like completely make it all about roses um so hopefully i mentioned some stuff on the podcast some mistakes that i've made along the way uh, maybe we'll have to do this a little more often where we can come up with maybe not in our horror stories, but some, some stuff that's happened that people can actually learn from mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, you know, understand how to avoid those mistakes and how to be better themselves as well. Sounds good. All right, Matt. Well, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thank you. You too.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.